Sebastian Bokelp is the director of France's National Museum of Immigration. He has managed projects at Centre Pompidou and the Paris Museum of Modern Art, as well as curated exhibitions of Andy Warhol, Lucio Fontana, Robert Crumb, and others. He curates at the Louis Vuitton Foundation and teaches at the École de Louvre. Recognizing that immigration is one of today's most important issues, he sees his work as an opportunity to educate and combine his background in history and art. Sebastian Kukab, welcome to The Creative Process. Hello, welcome. Thank you to invite me. Yes, so we are in uh, the Museum of the History of Immigration, and it's, it's a fascinating museum unlike, you know, any other in terms of its scope. But tell us first what brought you here, because you've been curating in a number of institutions before. I was uh, studying history mm. and art in the University for History and Art in the Fine Arts School of Paris. And then I start to be a curator in the 2008, first at Musée d'Art Moderne de la Ville de Paris, in Paris, and after in Fondation Louis Vuitton. And now I'm running the National Museum of History of Immigration since almost one year in Paris too. Right. And of course, I mean, you've been involved with many, you know, thought-provoking and notable projects also in the Centre Pompidou that are about the history of ideas and multiple disciplines, um, which I'd love to go into to talk about some of that too. But um, why did you decide to come here? I mean, it is different from these other institutions. Yeah, because it's, it's a patrimonial uh, mm. institution and it includes a contemporary art, history and ethnological approach. It's a, a museum who's very involved with um, society questions, questions about society, especially about the immigration question. And it was important for me to work for uh, in a place or to run a place where what you present has a meaning in a contemporary world and not only artistic meaning. Yes, because I sometimes feel um Although there are very many sincere artists who like to go deep into some of these questions, at the same time, it's a, often a product. And sometimes you feel, even despite, I'm editorializing, but despite the sincerity or the intellectual dedication of individual artists, at the same time, you're presenting a product that sometimes I don't sit easily with that. Yeah. Um... The special thing here is, is mm -hmm. we have three collections. One mm -hmm. is history collection mm -hmm. about element of history of immigration in France. The other is a society collection. We are doing many interviews of people who, who are alive, uh, linked with immigration history, mm -hmm. and they can present us elements like their uh, ID card or uh, their first mobile phone or elements who are very important about their uh, immigration history and we make interviews so they explain what it means for them to immigrate, to leave their uh, own country, to arrive in a new country, what it means to be in France, what they expect from France and what they want to give to France. And the third collection is about contemporary art because it's a very important subject in art today and we are uh, gathering works that deals with immigration, but in a wide uh, angle. It means question of migration to identity, racism, etc., etc. And uh, 
the important thing is we are crossing these three connections here. So you can have a point of view who is a documentary point of view, and you have a point of view who can be an artistic point of view. And so by this mix, we have a very, I think, very accurate gaze on this question. And many artists are working on immigration. For many of them, it's, it's a question of identity, because there are many artists are moving uh, from foreign country, and it's their story. So it's very important for them, and they want to, to talk about this in different ways. And so I think it's very authentic. And some other artists are interested in this question of different culture, mixing. But the thing is, many artists have this, a very standard approach. Like we have many artists who propose us works about a migrant in a boat or um, about how to be different of the other because you are black. And, and sometimes it's very primer, very straight, but not very sophisticated or a very clever approach. So the thing is, because we have a, like an expertise of this, on this subject, we can have a very good uh, connection on this question. And we have a very specific approach. And for this exhibition, we cross point of view of historian, socio sociologist, philosopher, and art curator, and uh, art historian, etc. And this, this, this mix who makes this place very exciting. Well, that's interesting that you can that the art you're educating and inspiring the French public or the visitors who come, but also the artists, as you say, whose approach may be limited and they have access to this growing archive. Yeah. I think it's a very important work. And you're also in dialogue then with certain minister of culture or different aspects of the government. Maybe the story that you receive from people illuminate their approach to dealing with certain issues that they maybe also need nuance. Yeah, so, so, uh, there's something very particular in this mm -hmm. museum. We're in France, so we are, uh, we are a national museum, and in mm -hmm. France, almost all the museums are uh, run by a uh, state. Mm -hmm. And uh, usually, museum depends on the Ministry of Culture, mm -hmm. but this museum depends on four ministries. Ministry of Culture, Ministry of Education, Ministry of Research, and Ministry of Interior. Why? Because our questions are linked to these four uh, domains. The question of immigration is a question of culture, of education, of research, and of interior. And uh, so we cross this for a point of view and we're not just a museum. So we are talking about representation mostly. And we have a motto who says we want to change the gaze on immigration or to open the eyes on immigration. We are not here uh, to make uh, action in society, but we, we want that people who come here have elements of reflection of uh, perception about the question of immigration, about immigration, to change their mind, because immigration is about the story of people who come from another country. By uh, this museum, we, we want to, to show how someone else can be great for us, and not a stranger, not a foreigner, but a friend, someone who will bring us many things about culture, about work, about way of meaning, uh, of thinking, to explain this, we have a historian point of view. So we want to show that from the French Revolution almost um, until now, so two centuries of history, we have some questions who are always the same question, but they have different answers. But when you are immigration, why do you come? What do you leave? You leave your own country. 
what do you look for, how does the state work with you, do they help to come, do they stop the immigration, how people are handling immigration, are they friendly, open, or do they say they take all job and they say no more immigration, is there a conflict or is there a gathering? And it's always the same question since two years, two centuries. Mm-hmm. And we want to give visitors elements to understand the deep perspective, not actuality, not event, just what is immigration today, because now immigration is a very important subject. But we want that people can have a reflection on long term. Yes, because so many people obviously that we celebrate over time, we, we don't realize their story or their backgrounds. Such an exhibition, uh, one part of it, I was in through the different exhibitions, but we see one part of it is about um, music immigration. And these yeah. are other ways of opening the, the eyes and the ears. So, But about your own background and maybe what partly drew it to in your family background you're exposed to this curiosity about different cultures yeah my father came from turkey yes and so uh, immigration was part of my own story but i didn't start to work on this subject on these topics so like many people immigration is part of the story but say it's not their main subject mm-hmm. and uh, of course I, wa- I was aware of question of different culture of integration of uh, assimilation and what else uh, and different language ex- but I was much more interested in art. Mm. But after a while, especially now, because I always think there's two main topics now in uh, our world. First is about the environment and uh, climate. And second is about migration and how to live together and to avoid walls and everything. So now at this time of my life, uh, I think it was important to take care of this question and by my work. because I'm curator in a museum. Yes, because yeah, if you go to the origins of the word of curator, it's about the taking care. And sometimes it seems as of taking care of objects. But as you say, the more fundamental questions are taking care of our environment and taking care of our, our human relationships. So, yes, I want to know what some of those questions are. You mentioned some of them. You have these kind of fundamental questions that are part of your findings that you ask. Uh, how do you say your contemporary questions? What are some of those that you ask? I guess the thing is we are, we are a special museum because uh-huh. as a visual museum we are working on patrimony and history, but because the, the question of immigration is a very contemporary question, mm-hmm. we have too many ways to talk about it by contemporary way. So one way is by internet website. We are organizing many uh, conferences mm-hmm. and inviting a sociologist, historian, political people, artists, curators, to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Because many of these questions are not well known in the society. Usually people are thinking about these questions through what they see at the TV or mm-hmm. information. And by politicians, people who use this question of immigration, of difference, for political goals, and they twist reality. They twist. So we try to be back to the fundamentals and to have a more uh, quite less historical discussion about this and so we, we try to be neutral we don't want to say immigration is good or bad it's not mm-hmm. a question just we want to say what immigration is what it means and so after visitors can make their own opinion but at least they will do their op- opinion when they know what is the reality or we try to be close to reality because there is no uh, where reality can be different depends on people who talk, but 
we try to be more close to the facts and to events and elements. And you talk about, for example, music. And it was important to, to show that music is made of meeting of different cultures. And for example, we have an exhibition about music in Paris and London. And we want to show how, for example, in London, migrants from Jamaica came in London, meet people who do uh, ska music and mixing and it makes reggae. And so to explain that reggae is uh, something who came from migration. Right. And what would you say are some of the fundamental misunderstandings that you feel exist, say, we may say generally in contemporary society, and what are some of the fundamental things do you like to impart to visitors to the museum? That's a good question. I, I would say people came with a cliché in their head, mm -hmm. like immigrants are not integrated in the, in the society, mm -hmm. or there is too much immigrants, or it's a problem of immigration, for example. Yeah. And uh, immigration is not a problem, it's just a fact. So we try to deconstruct these uh, representations and to show that now it's like ever and why people came and what means difference and why it's not a, a thread, but just a, a fact. And uh, because when you open TV, when you listen on the radio, it's always about problem and immigration. You hear Trump who say we have to build a wall. You hear that uh, Italy doesn't want migrants anymore. You hear that Islam is a problem for France. Everything is not true. It's just, mm -hmm. just elements that people are using, politicians are using to, to make fear. Because when you keep people in fear, you, you keep the power. But we just say you don't have to be uh, anxious about anything. You just have to know but it's happened. Yeah, it's a very uh, strong um, emotion, fear. It's easy to use a foreigner for a thread on you. Mm. And that's not a thread, it's just a gift. But mm. you have understand how to, to handle this gift. And the re human relation is something not uh, obvious. You have to build it, you have to think about it and everything. When you meet someone in the street, when you say hello, you look how it looks like. You think, where does it come from? You have to think about this. And when you analyze the people that you meet, it's, you have an easier relationship. Mm -hmm. But the thinking is quite uh, heavier because there is some elements you don't know. For example, if you have an Asian face, mm -hmm. I'm wondering wh where does she come from? Where did she leave her own country? It's, it's not a reaction, it's, it's normal. But mm -hmm. we have uh, to be conscious of this and to manage it. Yes, but sometimes people are afraid to ask questions and then it, it creates this, this distance. And, and I imagine it's a challenge to, I mean, a very fascinating challenge, I think, to tell this story of immigration, because we tend to think about individual, I tend to think about individual stories, but then immigration is a, it's must, it's a vast choreography. You know, how do you tell it? How did you approach it? I've, I've seen some of the films, some of the exhibitions. The thing is, in this museum, we want to talk to everybody, even pe people who are for immigration, people who are against immigration. And the thing is, when you go to museum, you want to see Leonardo da Vinci, you want to have a good uh, afternoon to see nice things. And when you go to a museum of immigration, it's a different way of moving. So 
the thing is we, we need to catch the visitors mm -hmm. with a human link, with a human scale, that just to show them that it's just a human story. When you, you are an immigrant, it's just a human story. And so you are, uh, it's someone who is at your own level. It's a human story, it's a personal story. So it's easier to understand what is immigration. Because if you say to an immigrant, why did you leave your country? And to understand that nobody wants to leave his country. Everybody wants to stay with their friends, with their family, to eat the food they always eat. You're used to a place. So when you leave your country, it's for a reason. Because you need to change your work, because there is discrimination, because of their racism, because there is a war. And so to understand these elements, it's make more human the question. But after this, it's great to, to present it in a wider frame, in a human frame, in a historian frame, that to understand that because in your life you have the two relations, you have relation with people in the street when you meet people, but you have the relation with the world history when you look at TV, when you learn history, when you hear that there are war and everything. So we want to get the visitor by the human scale and to bring him to a much wider understanding. So I looked down at the layers and the history of the um, museum. It is now the Museum of Immigration, but before it was uh, the exhibition of colonialism. Yes, when you talk about the story of immigration, you talk about colonialism, so refugees, different branches, they're not all the same. But yeah. they inform each other, yes. Yeah, it's a very specific element of this museum. Mm -hmm. In France, we have we had in 1931 an international exhibition mm -hmm. of the colonies. It was to present what was the colonies in France, in the world, actually, mm -hmm. uh, in the 1930s, and to present how much it was good to have colonies, because Europe sent colonies uh, culture, medicine, administration, uh, and in the other ways, uh, colonies sent to Europe matières premières, uh, food and wood, and, and it was presented like an exchange. Mm -hmm. And the world, people are thinking this way, and almost all people were thinking this way in 1930s, except maybe some artists or some political parties like the Communist Party. Mm -hmm. And there was a huge exhibition at the door of Paris. There was 30 million people visiting this exhibition. So it was a huge wow. event. Some people came many times, but mm -hmm. and uh, at the end there was only and we, they built many buildings, mm -hmm. and at the end they just keep one building, was called the Palace of Colonies. It was this place here. So we should say for those who haven't visited, well illustrated that there's these murals and frescoes and everything. Yeah, it's a huge uh, wall frescoes. Who says what uh, Europe gives to colonies? So mm -hmm. it was. It's a very symbolical place, and it's mm -hmm. uh, Art Deco Palace, uh, one of the best, mm -hmm. most beautiful Art Deco Palace. And at the end of the exhibition, so 1932, mm -hmm. it became a Museum of Colonies. And so they present all these stories of uh, exchange and everything. Mm -hmm. And in 1960, in the 67, uh, it changed, because there was almost no more colonies in, Europe, in, in the world because the world changed. The French didn't have any more colonies in 1962, almost. And so it became the Museum of Africa and Oceania, African Art, Ocean Art Museum, and the artwork of this uh, culture in this place. And in 2002, 
2005, France built a new building called Musée du Quai Branly, uh, Musée des Arts Premiers, and where they gather all the collection of uh, Musée des Arts Africains Océaniens and collection of museum, uh, uh, human museum, Musée de l'Homme. It was a big project of uh, President Jacques Chirac, and so the building was empty. And at the same time, in 2002, for the presidential election, there was an extreme right party, uh, party called Front National, uh, who only goes to the second round. And it was really a shock in France. And people, especially um, the president, Chirac, became aware that there was a problem on the perception of immigration in France. Because if 20% of people vote for a political party who was frankly uh, xenophobe, mm-hmm. it was a problem of living together, of a representation of immigration. So it was important to explain that part of French history was immigration history. Because you have in the world, you have two, two big countries who are built on immigration. First is the United States and second is France. And in France, immigration uh, became uh, important from the 19th century and until now. And it was important to explain that uh, uh, French history, the Republic history, mm-hmm. was uh, made with immigration. Mm-hmm. To say it was a common history. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's why we opened this museum in 2007. And it was very problematic because Art historian says in the 21st century that colonialism was not a good relationship between Europe and the rest of the world. It was a domination relation mm-hmm. and, and says that some problem linked with immigration came from this uh, colonialist period, that the colonialism was not well solved mm-hmm. and there is still a problem of relationship with, with between France and the people who came from this colony. And it was very strange to install an immigration museum in a building who make uh, apology of colonialism. So we have to think about this contradiction. And in a way it's very complicated because in the, on the fresco we say colonialism is great. And the immigration museum we say, we say colonialism is not very well solved and it's part of the problems who are linked to immigration. Mm-hmm. So in the other way, it's, it's great to, to face a problem, sure. to say in the same building, uh, we have a colonialism history. It was what it was. Mm-hmm. Now it's ended. Now we have uh, another story, but we have to think about it too. Well, yes, it, it's actually, it is an interesting challenge, but it is important, I think, as you say, because it is always a conversation with history. You can't say you start from now. Oh, there's no racism. There's no, this is impossible. Yeah. But you also raise an interesting question. You mentioned the United States and you mentioned France as two countries who have a history of immigration and 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 how there are different uh, approaches to dealing with the question of immigration. Uh-huh. The thing is, United States, it's a migrant nation. Mm-hmm. You're, everybody knows the story of people who arrive at Ellis mm-hmm. Island, they see, they see the Statue of Liberty, mm-hmm. and it's part of the identity of United States. Let's say mm-hmm. it's uh, United States is a nation of immigrants. Mm-hmm. 
in reality, it doesn't mean the immigration is easy in the States because you have always many problems of racism before against black people and after about uh, Spanish people or Mexican people. And uh, there are many unsolved uh, questions linked to immigration too. In France, it's different because the country was not built on immigration or by immigration. So it's a different perception, and so we have different uh, relation to immigration. And it's very important because um, in Ellis Island you have I don't know maybe 15 millions of visitors, mm-hmm. and every American wants in his life if he can. He wants to see Statue of Liberty, Niagara Falls, mm-hmm. uh, Ellis Island. It's not the same thing in France. Mm-hmm. So we have another story to tell, mm-hmm. and another story to build, and that's very. It's a great challenge. There seems to me, and I have experienced, at least on a cultural level, where um, France is generally very outward-looking, even if not not all of the um, citizens are outward-looking. But if you look, if you take this comparison, um, the number of books that are in translation, say, in France, it's huge compared to America, which is supposed to be a country of immigration, and the number of books in translation is, is so small. So I feel that we're open to accepting in France many different cultures, but the challenge may be to open that gaze beyond just the people who are the makers of culture, the average immigrant. The thing is, in the United States, it's, a, it's an island. Mm-hmm. So most of the Americans didn't travel outside the United States. Mm-hmm. So they consider that when you are American, you are the world. <laughs> so you're the center of the world and mm-hmm. in a way it's true because the economy is American, culture is economical and uh, so it's, it's very funny, for example, when you do a catalog in French and American, people, mm-hmm. American people don't buy it. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing but that's it because mm-hmm. they consider that they don't have to. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. In a way, when you meet people, uh, Americans they are very open, it's uh, incredible. They are very used to exchange with people from other countries because it's mm-hmm. a country where many immigrants come. They, they feel their, their own culture, they, own, they have a the good way to think. Mm-hmm. Europe is a much more uh, open con- continent mm-hmm. and it's in the culture because it's a place where many people from other countries come, uh, travel, and the mix is more usual. So mm-hmm. it's why... Uh, and the, the culture of France is all, almost a small country and the French culture is made from German culture, Italian culture and uh, it's different relation to, to the foreign countries and foreign culture, yeah, indeed. And um, that's a very interesting point. And since you have been here for the, the last year, how have you, of course you've been thinking about these questions for a long time, but how has your perspective changed? When I arrived, I was thinking, so we have a Museum of Immigration, we have to to handle with this question, but maybe not um, straight. I was thinking if you say to people, okay, come Sunday afternoon, we are going to talk to you about racism. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, oh, if we do this, nobody will come. Mm -hmm. So we'll do much more artistic exhibition. Mm-hmm. like uh, the African artistic scene mm-hmm. and uh, or music in Paris and London. And so mm-hmm. when people will come, they will be involved in this nice story, cultural mm-hmm. story, and they will be convinced of the 
of the importance to mix culture. Mm-hmm. But now, since a few months, I, I'm thinking, so if we have question, very important question, we have to handle straight. We, we have to ask questions very clearly, to answer very clearly. And so now I think it's much more important to mix the two points of view. One mm-hmm. could be, I would call the cultural point of view. Mm-hmm. So to see that culture is mixed of different immigrants and uh, let's say native French, to say how it's uh, important. But we have to make more, um, I will say, hard exhibition mm-hmm. about um, fundamental questions. Yeah. Yes, because I would imagine, and I don't know how it breaks down with the different people who come, and I don't know if you can know every single person who comes, why they come, but yes, when you have a name Museum of the History of Immigration, they want to, they really want to be serious, actually. It's yeah. a place to be serious and informed, I think. You spoke about some people who might be coming and they would have a fixed idea of not being completely for immigration. Maybe yeah. they would have a more of a closed mind, maybe an older generation. Yeah. And I wonder how you then engage differently with them and how maybe you engage with children who may visit your educational programming. My, my dream is people who don't like immigration come. Yes. So that's the point. At least yes. the, uh, and we are not uh, giving a message. It's not an ideological mm-hmm. place. Uh-huh. It's very important. But at least the people who say immigration is a danger, they come, they read, they understand, they know. And they make their op- own opinion, but I think if they catch this chance, it's very important. So um, we want to have a different attitude with people who are against immigration and people who are for immigration. Mm-hmm. It's not a question. We, we have to be neutral. We just we, we need to be the most attractive museum possible, mm-hmm. it's like every cultural place, every uh, public place. Mm-hmm. That's important. And, um, and specifically for children, because uh, I don't know what the English word, préjugé. They are not prejudiced. Yeah. You know, the prejudice are built when you're young. Yeah. It's very easy to build prejudice with children. Oh, yeah. So it's very, very important to talk to the children and mm-hmm. to, to help them to have uh, open minds and uh, to understand the reality. Because mm-hmm. prejudice is just, you go to the easiest way to think. Mm-hmm. You're different of me, you have a different face of me, so you're different. So you're not my friend. That's that's the easiest way to think. Mm-hmm. So you have to, to say to the children, uh, okay, don't think. So take time to, to reflection. And it's very important. Hi, I'm Alison Amat, an English journalism and digital studies student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. For the creative process, I take on the role of associate podcast producer. Sebastian Gokelp in this episode touches on the idea of curating France's National Museum of Immigration with the multifaceted story of immigration in mind. The museum gets input from a variety of academics, whether they be sociologists, economists, anthropologists, or something else entirely. And of course, it gets input from those directly living the story they're telling, immigrants. Mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, grandparents, brothers, sisters, people that have had to leave their homes behind. The museum, as Gokalp mentions, doesn't seek to make visitors pick sides, but rather leave with an understanding, an understanding that encompasses the full scope of what makes someone decide to leave a life they know.
Gokelp's words remind me of a story I and my co-author Brian recently reported on for one of my journalism classes at UW-Madison School of Journalism and Mass Communication. Sapsap, a small Wisconsin-based Laotian food business, recently decided to open a permanent location after hosting pop-up dinners for six years. The restaurant's owner, Alex Hanasakta, was born in a refugee camp. His family came to the United States after the secret war in Laos. It's not well known in America, but the states dropped upwards of 2 million tons of bombs on Laos in a larger campaign against communism during the Vietnam War. 10% of the Lao population fled the country. An excerpt from our article reads, Hana Sakta views his food as a means of education and a vehicle for empathy. He thinks many young people and Vietnam War veterans don't have the full picture and hold all refugees under a negative light. Rather than fight those with prejudice through violence, he argues that it's far more effective to feed them. And there, to me, reveals a similarity between Gokalp's and Hanasakta's viewpoints on creating an understanding. In an era when we have national leaders leading chants to build walls and human rights atrocities committed against immigrants around the world, creating that understanding is more vital than ever, whether the advice to do so is a museum or a restaurant. And now, back to the interview with Sebastian Gokelp, the director of France's National Museum of Immigration. Yeah, it's, it's sad when young people, they can mirror so easily their Yeah, parents. and in the other way, I'm always fascinated. Uh, children are so open with others. You put two, two children from completely physically different, there is absolutely no problem. They are friends in a five seconds. They talk about, uh, I don't know, iPod or I, iPhone, or uh, they play together. And it's, there is no uh, wall together. The, and the prejudice are built after, and the separation come after. So we have to catch this uh, chance, this uh, natural open mind of the children. And what is the role outside of the museum? If we could just talk about education, the current education models in France or, or elsewhere, how can we encourage more acceptance uh, of different cultures? In France, almost uh, all the people are going to public school. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very good quality. And mm-hmm. Even the public, private schools are linked with the public school mostly. Mm-hmm. And so we have almost all the place as the same programs. And the question of difference, immigration, identity, mm-hmm. are, they talk about it in the history. Um, mm-hmm. Lesson and there's something very specific was quite new, like 20 or 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, civic education, mm-hmm. and so they talk about this question too there. Mm-hmm. And there is a ministerial delegation called Delegation Interministérielle pour la lutte contre l'antisémitisme, le racisme et la haine anti-LGBT. Delegation against antisemitism, against racism, and against LGBT hate. Yes. And they, are, they uh, gather all the program about this subject and we organize with them a week on this uh, theme. So we, we do events specifically and we do long-term program on uh, education for this. Because in France, the program against education are made by teacher, but teacher work with the museum. So we offer to museum many ways to talk about this question too. It's a, like a partnership. Oh, that's really great that you can and then it can be a trip out because sometimes you get too much in the books, whatever the texts, and this gives you a real visceral experience. I think that's yeah. 
really important the roles that museums play in that, particularly this one. I, th I think it's, it's a wonderful initiative. And I would like to go, because I'm always curious about so many things. You'll forgive me. I was interested on a, a side note. You, you were involved with this really impressive project that was discussing the history of the Université de Savoie, the University of All Knowledge. Yes, it was a, yeah, it was a very exciting project. It was in 2000 year. It was like many excitation in the world. And the French government say we have to, to make very strong events. Mm -hmm. And so um, the government organized a project called uh, All Knowledge University, Université de Savoie, who was run with a French philosopher called Yves Michaud. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we were a very small team, about uh, like five people, mm -hmm. and we wanted to talk about everything the world knows in 2000. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very uh, ambitious, and so for this reason, very exciting. Mm -hmm. And we, so we make a list of who the most important people about question of, um, I don't know, ethnology, mm -hmm. or who's the best teacher about uh, medicine, or who's the best scientists about nuclear uh, energy and uh, yeah so we, we had like 2000 names and we decided to make one uh, speech a day mm -hmm. and so it was like we made 366 because it's a basic style uh, speech and um, it was a very straight speech so someone come talk for uh, 50 minutes and you have to listen it was like in a way it was very old style mm -hmm. And we are very anxious about if is there will be any people who will came. And so we decide to start the 1st of January. Mm -hmm. And we say, oh, everybody will be just uh, drunk or sleeping or watching TV. So we say, so call all your friends. We have to be here. We have to, to be full in the amphitheater. It's the first conference was uh, about what is life. And it was a surprise because there was like uh, 2,000 people who came. And it never changed. So we have a full success during the whole year, not 2000 every conference, of course, but uh, at least the less people who came, it was 300 uh, people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very open and open mind because you can talk about history, about science, about uh, economy and everything, about immigration, of course. Mm -hmm. And we, we put it on internet mm -hmm. and we make movies and it was almost the same principle of TED. Yes, Except, and it seems more profound because they only have the 18 minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. much more edited, Ted, and uh, it's mostly on the internet, but mm -hmm. it was the same idea. And so, yeah, and uh, it's still online and mm -hmm. it's still some conferences are still very important. And our project, we say, if all these conferences are still working in 10 years, we will win uh, the story because knowledge changes very fast. And uh, of course, now, conference who handled 20 years ago, it's like all old, the uh, knowledge, but some are still uh, very current. Uh, well, I mean, some of those philosophical questions, is obviously the advances in science and things like that, but in the Museum of the History of Immigration, some of those things don't, don't change. Yeah. Um, the people who come change, but it is the same story. I don't know if that is uh, something fortunate or unfortunate, but we seem to not be able to escape our humanness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the idea. Like the Encyclopédie Diderot d'Alembert, it was uh, 18th century, it was for one century, but so, yeah. You know, the thing is, uh, the good the people who are very involved in their subject, who are the best mm -hmm. of the subject, they are wonderful uh, speakers. So, 
-hmm. even if the knowledge change or uh, increase it's still it was still uh, fascinating uh, and so what because you've been around and you yourself are so um in depth in your knowledge but what were some of the observations that you made at these well, I don't know if it's a strong word to say geniuses, but these people who have remarkable individuals. Let's say it's almost like a computer when you have a huge memory. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, someone for me, a genius is someone who connects information very fast and in an accurate way. Mm -hmm. And so if you can perception of many, many different things in the world and you're aware of them and you can connect and produce something new, um, it's great. I, I would say, uh, for example, you know the famous story of Newton who works in the garden and April to uh, falls and he says, oh, okay, I understand the gravity. Mm -hmm. And to connect something who happens and some other preoccupation and you find something, uh, that's an element of a genius. And uh, let's say in art, you can definitely say, think, I think that Picasso is a genius. Yeah. Because you see something, uh, it's like a sponge for me. He mm. take it and he change it and he connect with all he knows about art history, about his own perception, mm. and something completely new came out. And he's a genius because I wouldn't do this connection. Nobody will do this connection because he's the only genius. It changed our view of the world. Yes, it all it's, it connects something who he didn't have connected before. The world didn't change. The world is always the same, but. It shows you the world in a new way, and so it's a genius. Yeah. So speaking of Picasso, you have forthcoming exhibitions, uh, African art, also Picasso. Yeah, we have a very fascinating exhibition in 2021 about uh, Picasso the foreigner, Picasso the stranger, mm -hmm. and the curator is Aniko Solal, who wrote a great uh, book on Jean-Paul Sartre and another one on the Leo Castelli mm. and uh, her um, she, her approach is very linked to the uh, social science specifically the American approach and she she showed how Picasso was an alien in everything in his life mm. because he came from Spain to France he, he was he never gets a French nationality so he's he asked for but he was refused and he was an alien in art because his art is different and he spent his life in south of france not in paris you know in france paris is like a, a center of the world but no he spent his life part of his life in south and the collectors were german were american like gertrude stein he was famous uh, very fast in germany in america in France, not so fast. So mm -hmm. he was a foreigner in his own country. Mm -hmm. And this is a difference. He has to be above. He can be in the, like everybody, so he has to be different. And uh, that's a good, uh, good story. And to see how France deal with people who live on the, on the country. And in the other way, he came to France. He didn't came in Italy, because France was a place where when you're a foreigner, it was the best place to be. So mm -hmm. it's all this story. And it's fascinating history. But it is also interesting that question to the extent to which main because some artists do this, um, they maintain an outsider status and it inspires them. They don't want to be too comfortable, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, if you are too comfortable in your life, you don't need to create. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's what the teacher who says it. If you are okay with your life, why are you going to 
to spend hours in a room to paint, not to sell or to make a sculpture. And usually, except uh, like one person or five percent of the artists, it's a hard life. Mm-hmm. And why are you going to be in a hard life? Why we, if you don't need it? If you need it, it's because in your interiority you have something to fix, and uh, it's, you, you don't need to be crazy or what else. But something you have to to resolve something, and the thing is to resolve it. The only way for you is creation, artistic creation. Mm-hmm. So um, if you are comfortable in your life, don't don't don't, don't create, or you can create to express yourself, but. You don't have the in- inner uh, motor, mm. or the inner motor is very slow. <laughs> and so, just also looking at your career as as a curator, um, you know, beyond the question of immigration, and I think of some of the other important um, exhibitions or artists whose um, creative process you've examined, like Andy Warhol, another one who is kind of exploding our icons of beauty or making us look at the world in a new way. Yeah, Andy Wall, it's uh, fascinating because um, it looks very like uh, for posters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but Andy Wall is much more than this. He's very wide open. He was a genius because he understood what consummation was and how to talk about it. Just mm-hmm. no comments straight. But mm-hmm. in this way, it's very accessible. In a way, of course, a very personal point of view about his own society. but. You feel it's easy. You mm-hmm. see an individual; it's obvious immediately. So mm-hmm. he catches you, and after he can uh, make you think. And he understands that the artist was—he um, touched everything. He worked with music, with the velvet underground. He make painting. He make a newspaper, a magazine. He make a installation. He make he, his life was a art history, mm-hmm. art uh, work, and he connects everything. It seems. For me, it's a very amazing connection. And, uh, yeah. Yes, uh, the yes. famous thing is uh, yes. the movies he made like a, a screen test. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was inviting people in the factory mm-hmm. and he has a camera, a 16 millimeter camera. And he said, just sit. And he was leaving and going to the place. Mm-hmm. So uh, people react very differently. Mm-hmm. And so he's just like a, a mirror, but there's no mirror. And so it doesn't... In- his interaction seems to be absolutely uh, no intervention, but mm-hmm. at least now when you look at the screen test, everything is so so Andy Warhol with the slowness, mm-hmm. with the fixed uh, camera, with uh, everything, the short time. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. That's also a technique that I know from a lot of like uh, directors of like the big motion pictures. They do have this silent technique. Um, how does that differ from the direction technique of, say, a curator or a museum director? How is it the creative process of a museum director or your creative process as a museum director? Yeah. As, a, as a director, I wouldn't say it's a creation product. Mm-hmm. You need that people work together in the way you think the most uh, important. But to be a curator of an exhibition, for me, there is two um, extreme. One is to say, I will show the things the most neutral way, in a very neutral way. For example, they are paint 1960, 1961, 1962. You, you explain, and just it's very neutral. And in the other way, you have, a, I would say, an artistic uh, curator mm-hmm. who, um, who connects things 
and who sometimes use artworks to um, for their own approach, they mix and it's uh, very exciting too. And the most famous is Harald Zeman. Mm. And so you have to, to be between these two, the curator is always between these two extremes, I, I, I would say. And for me, I, I like the metaphor of um, chef d'orchestre. So you have artworks, you have a partition, for example, there are partitions and the Warhol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to play the partition and the visitor have to listen to the music that the artist brought it. If you an orchestra play Beethoven, mm-hmm. you have to be the transmission between the people in the auditorium and Beethoven. You have to transmit the, the music of Beethoven. But there's so many different to transmit the music of Beethoven or Bach, for example. If you play Bach like Glenn Gould, it's different than when you play Bach in a more conventional way. So it's the same uh, orchestral uh, leader. Mm-hmm. You have to decide how much your interpretation of the partition is. Mm-hmm. And you have to make people, an exhibition is like 50 people who work together. You, mm-hmm. you start alone, but at the end you have like about 30 people. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, 50, 100 uh, different artworks. So everything has to be coherent, have to be together. I don't think a lot of people realize that, the number of people involved. What are some of those aspects that people wouldn't know? I mean, for students who are interested or just the visitors to museums? Yeah, it's it's easy to say this is an exhibition of Harald uh, Zeman or Okuyen Vezor. Like, you have a sign, signature, like when you look at Count, Quentin Tarantino movie, mm-hmm. it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. But there is many people who work um, and if you're a good curator, I think you have to listen what they say, what they feel, and uh, to make exchange. So the exhibition is, of course, when you're a curator, your choice, but your choice is gathering what the art historian says, what other artists say, what the people who hang the painting on the wall say, mm-hmm. and this is a good approach. And uh, I, I would take an example, a famous one, Hans uh, Sudrich Obrist. Ah, oh, yes, I was just, with, I was just with him this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so he's a famous curator and he has a signature. Yes. But one of his, in a way, he, he works with people. He, mm-hmm. he gives elements to people and people do. And it's, it's, his intelligence is this, to be confident in people who will do and to gather it. And at the end, you remember Ansel Richaubrist. Mm-hmm. But even if he has just gathered people, he knows to, to trust people to bring in their imaginations. Yeah. Um, that, that's a great, you know, the, the art of management is another question. Yes. Yeah, I would say he's a great manager. I don't know how he managed, but to, to get the best of every, everybody. Um, no, I, I, I think it's very fascinating. And I do actually think, but I do think that curation can be an art, just if we talk about directing or a producer or whatever, the person who makes things happen. It's. Um, I, I, I would be very careful with this because I have... Uh, complete respect to the artist. Yes. And when artists want to say something, when artists want to express something, to show something, to yeah, you have to be very uh, careful with twisting his uh, his work the uh, way you want. Oh yes, of course. And uh, yeah, so the limits is all yeah, it's very important. Yeah, you would know more about that and then the different question of when you're curating um, a historical exhibition artists who are no longer with us, artists or, or ordinary persons in the case of yeah. it's not always a, a, just visual art here. Yeah. Um, 
or those who are living, the question of yes. negotiation is different. And the thing is, an artist who's living is not always the best uh, interpreter of his own work. You mm -hmm. see, and so you have to play with this. Mm -hmm. You have to respect what he want to say, but maybe you can bring him other way to say the same thing, to open uh, opportunities of way of hanging, showing to him. And I think it is, and you have for them to feel that it is their idea or it was already there and they didn't know about it. They had to be reminded. Yes. But I do think, I mean, maybe I use that word a bit liberally, but I do think that curators are creative and you might call it taking care. But um, because I guess I've had a lot of conversations, I'm an artist myself, but I've had a lot of conversations with people, I guess museum directors or curators. And if, I, if I'm just judging on the level of passion, if we say the art is supposed to be passionate or caring about, sometimes I have found if more passion from people who are curators or museum directors or sometimes even academics in terms of the fascination with things. And sometimes I've not found it completely on the artistic level, which we say sometimes there's a level of business. I can say it, I'm an artist, like they're obsessing about one thing or they're thinking even about business. So if the definition of being a, is a, being a creative, passionate person. Sometimes I've seen it more on this level of the people who are caretaking. Yeah, that. but yes, yeah, in a way. But if we if we just consider the good ones, yes. the good artists <laughs> and the good curators. Yes. So for, let's forget let's the business say. artists and the the uh, boring curators. Yes, um, a great artist is someone who creates a new world. Mm. or create a new work at least and uh, it's an obsession it's a, a mental construction is an expression what else but mm. it's something very coherent and it's new let's say at least with modernity new is very important mm. if even if you're postmodern you have to be a creative new, new postmodern artist mm -hmm. um, a great curator he reveals something already created it's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's quite different. For example, I've been in an exhibition on the Warhol and mm -hmm. I wanted to be, it was about a big uh, ensemble called the Shadows, who's uh, owned by Dia uh, Beacon in New York. Yeah. And it was important for me to reveal the repetition. Mm -hmm. So the goal for me was to reveal repetition. Mm -hmm. And so if the visitor understands what means repetition, I don't know if I create something, but at mm -hmm. least I reveal something for our visitors. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so some um, a creator, like a, let's say the Aaron Zeman, who connects two different artists or who gather two different artists, mm -hmm. he reveals something, he creates some, he creates something new, but it's not the same kind of creation, I would say. Yes. And uh, I think the best curators are aware of this separation. Yes, it maybe it's more in interpretive or an arrangement sort of thing. Yes. Yeah, or connection and to be more straight. I didn't really enjoy much curator who creates by with works of other artists mm. or with artists. Let's say it's it's not honest. I would say. Oh, okay. I see. You use it. It is using other people to create one's vision. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there are interesting questions, and I'm also always interested, although we're veering widely off the subject of immigration, but why we're obsessed with the new, and because you said it's important to, for an artist to create new worlds. And 
but sometimes what moves us is uh, something very simple and um, essential, you know? Yeah. Um, but why do you think we are drawn to that? Or why is it so important in the artistic? I, I, I think at, le- uh, at the end, when you look at that work, mm-hmm. it's an exchange with someone and you. Mm-hmm. If you look at a painting of Werner, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, so beautiful painting, but at, at least you're listening to Werner. Mm-hmm. who tell you how to see the light, how you feel the light, the quietness and everything. And so when you share something essential, it's great. You are a great communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I work on a show of Carl André, mm-hmm. who's very simple, not very creative, very repetitive, mm-hmm. very simple. But you feel something very deep, essential, and so you're removed. Mm-hmm. And um, so maybe creates is just uh, something new is to maybe to reveal in a new way something very permanent you can it's mm-hmm. way of talking it's why some the most strong artists are some people who are very simple very essential but so so in communication with yourself so straight so that's why i would say and it seems that to bring it back to immigration that then that's an added challenge when you are not only creating exhibitions that are about you know beauty or an emotional exchange and how do you choose the art you you yourself said that some of the um, artistic approaches that had been um, proposed by certain artists were simple or maybe not nuanced you know someone on a boat so is it sometimes a difficult question oh this art moves me or it's simple or it's aesthetic but this art addresses this question there is no rule but at least yeah if i want to to express the the crisis in mediterranean for example yes we have elements of uh, boats called uh, aquarius uh, run by the association uh, Mediterranée. you show the thing it's so removing it's so obvious so it's strong You, you have to present it and Visitor understand gets the information, mm-hmm. so it's not artwork. Mm-hmm. If you present an artwork, it's not to say the same thing; it's to say something else. And what else? You, so artworks remove you, not just by information, but by something else. Mm-hmm. Could be aesthetic, could be um, simplicity, could be uh, link with art history. But it, it, it has to be his own uh, autonomy. And for us, it's great when you have a great artwork who talks about immigration. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, that's a tricky thing to find. But yeah, that's the interest of this collection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was speaking to someone else who was like, he's a professor at the comparative literature section uh, of Stanford, but he was here teaching um, and bringing students to the Institut de Monde Arabe and, he were having, and asking them about a certain exhibition that was about Palestinians. And, and there was a mix between very political artworks and then there were those that were just personal artworks. They mixed it with all these, uh-huh. like half political and just ordinary bearing witness of people's lives but nothing strong would you look for a balance like that yes. so we have, we have guides <laughs> in the museum yes. and uh, they work here for five years or ten uh-huh. years and they are very uh, involved in the subject and very mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. and uh, i went and say let's make a visit mm-hmm. and so it's very fun because some 
um, guide says, oh, I can speak about this artwork for hours. Mm-hmm. And the other one says, oh, it just proves I don't care of this. But this story and this photo of this boat people, it's great. I can talk about it for hours. Everybody can have his own approach. If you get the people with artwork, perfect. If you get them with documentary, perfect. We don't care. What I care is to get people to, to touch people, to make people think about immigration. Well, I think that that's a, a beautiful mission, and I think that that's what you're doing here. Um, so I, I want to, to thank you. I guess I'll just close on a final question, because I do think with this project, which is an education initiative, we're thinking a lot about the future. We're having conversation with students. So I guess I'd like to know um, what you feel are the importance of the arts, of um, museums, institutions such as this, for for educating us for the future. Yeah, I, I think I think um, uh, we are talking about intelligence mm. and connection, and for example, your project mm. seems creative project seems very intelligent because you connect different uh, people who work in different uh, domains and this is to, to link these elements is intelligent and I think that when we teach when you when you want to transmit to people because it's a question of transmission you don't have to be only one way of transmission you can be only transmission by teaching so if you transmit by artwork and you have many many elements was transmitted by artwork. Even the square floor on the, of calendar it transmits you many different ways of just teaching, but you get many things about perception, about space, about materials, everything. So we, we have to use all the way, all the elements we can use for transmission. Artwork is very strong, powerful transmission. It's very strong because when someone tells you um, like this uh, immigration is good so you think oh i will yeah he says this but is it really good or is it important or why does it say this to me you think about it very obvious artwork are not obvious at all because you have many different levels and it's connection at different levels and it's a much stronger way to communicate so it's why museum is essential Well, thank you so much, uh, Sebastian Goldpack, for all you've done, all you're doing here at the Museum of the History of Immigration, for sharing your insights into curation, the importance of art, the importance of defending our our common culture, and for um, opening conversations across culture. Um, It's been uh, very illuminating, and thank you for adding your voice to the creative process. Thank you, Mia Funk, for this... uh amazing project. Thank you. The Creative Process Podcast is supported by the Jan Milschalski Foundation. This interview was conducted by Mia Funk with the participation of collaborating universities and students. The associate interview producers on this podcast were Alison Amant and Sarah Amantini. Digital media coordinator was Hannah Story Brown. Wintertime was composed by Nicholas Andolis and performed by the Athenian Trio. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you would like to get involved with our creative community, exhibitions, podcasts, or submit your creative works for review, just drop us a line at team at creativeprocess.info. Thanks for listening.